0: It's so good to be here with you this morning, guys. We are almost at our one-year anniversary. How crazy is that, right? Who would have thought? David, you didn't believe in us, man. You didn't think it was going to (laughs) happen. So, and secondly, we're about to hit another milestone today. We're going to finish the book of Philippians. Y'all didn't believe me. I told y'all we'd finish it by the one year. You didn't believe me, but we're there. We're just going to cover three chapters today. No, I'm just kidding. Just a few verses. So we're going to jump right in, and uh, I'm going to read verses, uh, chapter, or, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstance, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Still, you did well to share. To, excuse me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have had received everything in full and in abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from, I've just been saying Euphrates, what you provided and a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he closes the book and starting verse 21 says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Those brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those from Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and be with your spirit. Man, right, that's some powerful stuff right there, don't you think? It's, as we've kind of come, or are coming to a close this week, I've, I've had kind of the opportunity to go back and just look through the things that we've been talking about the last three or four months, right, as we've been walking through Philippians, and there is so much power. Like, you think about the, the book of Philippians, it's just four chapters, it's this tiny little book, it's one of the smallest books in the Bible, right? And that there's so much truth, there's so much depth, there's so much wisdom for the Christian life that Paul gives to us. So, like, there's just so much, like, and, and I hope that we've done it justice as we've walked through it, but there's so much. Like, I was just looking through some of the themes, like, like, courage to face, to have joy, even in the face of opposition. The challenge to grow in love and faithfulness for one another, for one another. Paul challenged us, remember he says, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He challenged us to make everything about our lives about Jesus, centered about Jesus, focused on Jesus, about pursuing him, knowing him, chasing him. He challenges us as Christians to, to, this is a hard one for us sometimes, to humble ourselves and serve each other. Basically, to not think about what's best for me first, but for to think about what's best for my Christian brothers and sisters first. That's a hard one, right? That's a big one, especially in our uh, country right now that's so divided. Who would think if maybe we could just step back and instead of thinking what's best for me, what's most important for me, what I deserve, and think about how can I serve you, how can I love you, how can I give you what you deserve, instead of always chasing after what I think I deserve. That's a powerful one right there. He challenged us to imitate Jesus. Check this out. To imitate Jesus so that we can shine like stars in the sky. Those who don't know him, that that because we imitate him with our lives, we would stand out as a stark difference to the world around us. That people would see Jesus in our lives and then be drawn to him to know him. That's an incredible challenge Paul gives us. He warns us against um, the gospel of legalism, which is a teaching that you can earn your salvation, that you need to earn it or you need to gain it and attain it. He challenges to rest in the fact that our salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone, not of our own good works, as in we can't earn it. It's a gift of God. And on that very same uh, note, he challenges the next week, as we look the next week, to because you have salvation in him, now let's spend our lives pursuing him, knowing him, growing deeper in him, pursuing holiness in our lives so that we can be like him. He says, remember he says, uh, forgetting what is behind us and pressing forward the goal of Jesus Christ. What a challenge, right? And then last week, maybe the biggest challenge of all, he challenged us, well, before this week, he challenged us to not worry, <laughs> but in everything through prayer and petition, right, make our request known to God. We talked about how we need to sometimes take our hands off of it, trust him in all circumstances. And then he prom- makes this incredible promise, if we, if we are able to do this, there will be this peace that surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. That's incredible, right? God promising if you can, like he says, I will... Guard your heart. I will give you a peace. And he says, it surpasses all understanding because it's a peace that doesn't make sense. Like when the world's falling around you, he says, as a Christian, you cannot worry because you know that I am with you and I am faithful and I love you and I will take care of you. That's, man, so many in this small book. Four chapters, man. Four chapters. That's why it's taken us so long to get through it because there's so much beauty. There's so much goodness. There's so much, so many promises from our God. So he ends this week, he ends the book on a teaching on something that is real fun, contentment in our Christian lives. Contentment in our Christian lives. Let me let me just read reread those first few verses so we can get a refresher. He says, I rejoice greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. Verse 11, I don't say this out of need. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in, or I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstance, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. So kind of a little context for this verse is the Philippian church, the the church that Paul was writing this letter to, had been financially supporting Paul as he'd been out on his missionary journeys. So Paul's traveling the world, um, teaching people about Jesus, teaching people about Christ, getting saved. And the Philippian church is one of the churches that's kind of sending him money and financially supporting this while he's doing this. So he's kind of thanking them. Thank you for your support. He's saying, I I appreciate your support. It means a, a lot to me. And, but he's also saying, like, I'm not sending you this letter to ask you, like, hey, you need to do more. He's, he's kind of letting you know, hey, I have learned because of Jesus the secret of being content in all circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in, with plenty or in need. I know, how to have, I know how to be content no matter what. And so Paul's basically saying, I'm grateful for your giving, but I want you to know that I've learned this incredible thing, to be content no matter what's happening around me. I think that as we look at this uh, this scripture passage, there's a lot that we can take away and there's a lot that we can learn about contentment because if if you're like me and and again i I'm, I'm not saying that you have to be you probably don't want to be <clears throat> but contentment is something that is very hard for us at least it's hard for me right like I think about <clears throat> our world and I think about our culture and I think the ability to be content and to be satisfied is a really difficult challenge, don't you think? Like especially like like last week we talked about just being able to like that anxiety, that stress, the worry that kind of overtakes us. That kind of sometimes goes hand in hand with this thing of contentment. And, and it's C.J. Mahoney, uh, this pastor, he calls contentment, he says it's a rare jewel. A rare jewel, like a pearl or like a diamond, like a rare jewel, because it's so incredible once you can attain it. But for some reason for us, it's so difficult to get. It's so difficult to find. And I think it's kind of an interesting side note that Paul's preaching about this 2,000 years ago. Right? So essentially, this ain't something new, people. This is something that people have struggled with for centuries, this idea of contentment. Maybe it's like part of our human struggle. I don't know, right? But Paul begins with, with three things that I think that we can take away, um, that we can at least kind of extract out of this and see, right, how can I be a more content Christian? Or what can I learn about contentment? The first thing, and one that we've talked about a lot, actually throughout Philippians, is this. Contentment is actually completely unconnected with my circumstances. True contentment is completely unconnected to your circumstances. Paul says, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That means any of the circumstances, right? Any of them. I know how to have both a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Essentially what Paul is, this really screams into us as Americans, I think, is more stuff won't bring you contentment. Like you you can't, you, if you're uncontent or you're not satisfied, or you're not happy and you think the, the, the solution is to get more stuff, it's not going to work, man. Anybody ever seen the show Hoarders? How much stuff can you pack in one house, people? Good a grief. Just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. More stuff won't make the difference. I, so, again, background on me, right? After I graduated high school, I moved to Belize, which is this little country under Mexico. Lived there for a year and got to see a, a bunch of really cool things. One of those things was people who are in a third world country living in houses that are, like, smaller than the stage, working in cane fields. Night and day, exhausted, completely content, and happy, and satisfied, and joyful. The answer wasn't more stuff. Because on the flip side of that, you know what else I experienced in Belize? Was people who lived in the small houses in the third world country, who worked in the cane fields night and day, who were absolutely bitter and miserable people that you wouldn't want to be around. Same situation, different outlook on life. The answer isn't more stuff. Changing your circumstances won't necessarily make you content either. Like sometimes there's wisdom in getting away from certain people. Like there might be people in your life that drag you down or bring you down or, or negative people. Like you need to just run from those people. Like even the last few weeks, we've we've seen Paul mention several times, hey, find Christians who are living like this and imitate them. Find people who are doing this and and get around those people, right? So there's sometimes there's there are there's people we need to go get away from that will help in that. Sometimes there's a job that's just sucking the life out of you that it's wise for you to step back from and say, I need to change this circumstance because this isn't a healthy situation, but so often what happens is we sit around and we say, oh, if I could just change my circumstance, if I could just be in a different house, if I could just get a different job, if I could just change my circumstance, then I'll be content and happy and satisfied, and the truth of it is, right, we know people that say things like that, and then the circumstances change, and guess what happens? they are still miserable people, and you're like, oh, my goodness, right? We've all been around those people. The problem wasn't the circumstances. The problem wasn't the circumstances. So contentment is unconnected to our circumstances. And here, let me, this is a key of why this contentment thing is so huge. If, if we don't learn the secret of contentment in Christ, this gift of life that God has given us is going to fly right by you. Check out this, it's a poem. I've never read you guys a poem before. From I'm going read you a poem today. There's a poem called Present Tense. It's a good example. He said, it was spring, but, I w- it, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors, it was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cold, dry air, it was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the, of the holiday season, it is now winter, but it was spring I wanted. Full circle the earth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age that I wanted, the presence of mind without the limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. And the, the irony of that is this person had what they wanted the whole time. For some reason, contentment escapes us because we're looking somewhere else for it constantly. Like, man, that's, you know, this really wouldn't apply in Texas because, like, yesterday it's, like, 80 degrees outside, you know, so it's, like, just wait the next day. And another thing about this is it really doesn't work here because you know people that it's summer and you're, like, I cannot wait for that cold weather. I'm so tired of this heat. And then, like, you know, last week when it's freezing, you're, like, I can't wait for summer. like, really? You can't wait? You mean you want to walk outside and have the, like, life sucked out of you by the heat? I'm good. I'll put on a jacket. I'll be okay. I like having H2O in my body, right? But that Sorry, that, would make, that was, sorry. The point I'm trying to make is that wherever you are in life, there is beauty. Wherever you are in life, there is joy to be had. Wherever you are in life, there is thanksgiving to be had. We must learn to step back and take joy in the present. Right, like we all know, right, people, I mean, we've all been through these stages of life, single but wanting to be married, in college but can't wait to get out for the full-time job, married but waiting for the kids, and on and on and on and on and on, right? And I'm not, I'm not, like, judging because I've been in the same place. Like, I remember being in college and being like, I can't wait to get out and do this, or I can't wait to get married, or now, like, I can't wait to have kids, and now I'm looking back like, man, I can't wait to have sleep again. At some point, Jesus, right? Contentment where we are is huge, man. If we don't find it, life is going to pass us by. And even more dangerous, what happens if we don't find contentment in Christ is that we make really bad decisions because we are chasing contentment. And so we're in a faithful marriage, but we chase adultery because we think it will bring contentment. Or, God, you're right, or, or we have a great family, but we want more stuff, so we chase working more and more and more and accumulating more and more and more. And so we miss our family because we're too busy thinking more money will buy us happiness. The problem with this discontentment, this is the issue with it, is it makes us ungrateful for what God has done in our lives. So he has been so good to us and so faithful. Like, if life is crashing down around you, but you're a Christian, you have been still been saved by faith through grace and have more and better than anything we could ever want. Everything else is still gravy, right? Everything else is just icing on the cake if we've been saved by Jesus. So this thing of discontentment, if we don't find it, it makes us ungrateful for how good our Savior has been to us. And if you remember last week, what did he say to me? Come to me with thanksgiving. When you pray in prayer, so contentment is unconnected to circumstances or things, but it's a matter of the heart. Secondly, contentment is learned. Paul says, I don't say this out of need, before I have learned to be content. He says, I know how to have a lot, and in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Contentment is something that doesn't just happen. It's something that we learn over time. Right? Like, Paul had experienced life of the rich and wealthy. Uh, he had experienced life of, like, you know, riches and goods and, like, having everything that he wanted. He'd also experienced a pretty tough life. <laughs> He'd also been beaten. Like, check this out. This is just a few verses I found of, in uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul talking about life. And I'm just, I have several here, but I'm just going to read one because I think it makes the point. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-five 25 through 27. He says, Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent night and day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea. You get the point, right? And dangers among false brothers, labor and hardship. Many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and lacking clothing. In the same breath, he says, I've learned the secret of being content, no matter what. Wow. Wow. What's the point of this is to remind you that Paul ain't playing around when he says, I've experienced a lot and I've learned how to be content in all circumstances. Because, man, if you can be content while someone is beating you and stealing, keeping you from eating and throwing you in jail, you can be content in all circumstances, I think. Because of all the life experience, Paul had learned the secret of being content. He knew what a prosperous and rich life looked like, but he also knew what it was like to go without food, right? Contentment doesn't happen in a flash. Like, you're not going to just walk out of here and go, I am now content. I have found the secret, right? It's a constant thing of choosing to be contentment choosing to press into Jesus choosing contentment over discontent every day because we have an enemy and he's going to remind you what you don't have he's going to remind you what what the person next to you has he's going to remind you constantly and so finding contentment is a process of experiencing life it's a process of understanding what holds real value in life and it's also understanding how blessed we are and then finally, it's avoiding and running from and like kicking and scraping do whatever we have to do to get away from the sin and temptation of envy and jealousy. Because that's what the thing that steals contentment from us. It makes us look at others and say, if I could just have that, then I would be content. And what do we know? That's a lie. That's a lie. You say, well, that's easy, Mike. I would at least like to try to be rich and see if I could be content. I mean, I would too. I was here's Here's a million dollars, Mike. That's probably not going to happen, maybe, I'm holding out hope, right? But check this out, even even the richest man who ever lived, outside of maybe Solomon, here's some words from him. This is a J.D. Rockefeller, you guys may have may know this guy. He was the richest man in the world and the first ever billionaire in the 1900s, the first ever billionaire. Can you imagine being a billionaire 100 years ago? Dude, you got some money, man, Right? He's still considered by many to be the richest person in modern history. So anyways, he's, he's meeting a guy. He's meeting with a reporter, and the reporter's talking to him. He says, you know, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, hey, hey uh, J.D., right? He says, how much money is enough? Like, dude, you've got billions of dollars. Like, there's people that haven't seen food in weeks, and you're throwing away food, right? How much is enough? J.D. Rockefeller's response was just a little bit more. Are you kidding me, dude? just a little bit more, contentment is learned. Hear this, contentment is learned. It's not gained or achieved by getting more stuff or by changing our circumstances. Contentment is learned, and and oftentimes it's a choice. And then finally, the last thing that Paul really tells us here is that contentment is found in a relationship with and a reliance on Jesus Christ. He finishes it with that famous verse. He says, "I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me." So, Philippians four thirteen is a pretty famous verse. It's one that oftentimes we misuse a lot, right? Because we think, "I can do all things through Christ who give me strength." Awesome, I'm going to go dunk a basketball. Like my five nine white butt isn't bet you know isn't dunking a basketball anytime soon, right? Like no matter how many times, like I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. I'm falling on my face every time. It's not going to happen, okay? And, like, if it ever does, I'll let you know and be like, I was wrong. It dunked. It was awesome. right? But this verse isn't about, like, I can be rich because Jesus gives me strength, or I can have whatever I want because Jesus gives me strength. This is Paul saying I can be content in all circumstances when someone's beating me, when someone is stealing from me, when when I'm shipwrecked, whenever uh, people I love are passing away, whenever I lose jobs, whenever, you know, X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank. He says, and I can do that because there's Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Paul's looking back and saying the secret to contentment is found in the reliance on Jesus. Reliance on Jesus. Christian contentment is rooted in, founded in, based on Jesus. Flows from Jesus. If our contentment is found in life's circumstances, you're never gonna be content. If your contentment is founded on uh Gaining and attaining more things, you're never going to be content. If your contentment is founded on Jesus, you're going to find true contentment. It's a contentment that is a um, supernatural thing sometimes. It says, I have contentment. Why? Because Jesus has given it to me. That's a supernatural thing. That we have a God who says, I will infuse this into you, right? I will give this to you. I will give you the strength to be content whenever life is crashing down around you. That's pretty cool. Contentment. It begins with trusting God with our lives and provision, like we talked about last week. That's why Paul leads into this, I think, as he's saying, you know, we have to trust God. And when we're having a hard time, bring it to him in prayer with thanksgiving, right? It begins with trusting God. It's maintained by having a thankful heart for all that God has done for us. And then finally, it's based on, founded on when our identity is found in Jesus not the other stuff. Whenever we can look at the world with spiritual eyes versus the eyes of the world. Why do I say that? Because if you look at Paul's life through the eyes of the world, he was a failure, man. I mean, this guy's getting beat up all the time. He's like, you know, he's crashing ships. Like, how many times, I mean, dude, get a better captain. You shipwrecked three times, Paul? Like, at some point, it's your fault, man. Like, come on, Right. <laughs> He's getting beat up, he's getting battered, abused, he's in jail. Like he was, had, was around people who had money and influence, and now he's uh, having to rely on churches to send him money so that he can continue his job. Like that's a failure through the world's eyes. But if we look at it through spiritual eyes, through the eyes of someone who has founded on and based their identity on Jesus Christ, Paul's life was wildly successful. Just started with the fact that he could be founded in and content no matter what was going on to him. By the fact that 2,000 years later, we're reading some of the words that he wrote. (laughs) By the fact that he established churches all throughout the world. Through the spiritual eyes, that's a man who Jesus used to save souls and change lives. I would say that's a pretty successful dude, right? And someone that if we could even come close to that, would live a life of many adventures, right? He had a contentment in all circumstances founded in Jesus. And I think the final kind of takeaway from this is that with true contentment, if we can just find our identity on Jesus and not anything else, and we can be content in him regardless of what's happening, then I believe that we begin to experience a vibrant Christian life. (laughs) I think we get to go on some adventures. When we're content, hear this, when we're content in Jesus, we are set free because we're not chasing all the other junk anymore. Our, our happiness or our satisfaction isn't based on all, all that other junk anymore. It's founded in Jesus, and then we're set free. Instead of holding on to our stuff or money or trying to control our circumstances, we're set free. Like, what if God is calling you to some incredible adventure, but you can't go on it because you're too busy going, I gotta get more money i got to control my circumstances. Like I was thinking about this week, before we moved, I'm from Texas, but before we moved back, we were living in Georgia where my wife is from. What if she was like, yeah, Mike, I'll plan a church with you, but only if I can be close to my family. I know God's calling it to me, but here's my stipulation. That's contentment founded on something else. That's satisfaction founded on something else. What if God's calling you to, like, adopt a child or something? You're like, I can as long as I make $100,000 a year. What if God's not calling you to make He's calling you to adopt a child, (laughs) right? If our contentment is founded on something like, you fill in the blank, you know what that truth is in your life. When God steps and says, Mike, I need you to do this. I need you to walk in this way. If we're too tightly holding on to contentment founded in circumstances or contentment founded in things, we're never gonna be able to let go and follow freely because we're always holding on. So true contentment, means we trust God no matter what happens. We live this idea of what's called an open-handed life. Hey, God, all the stuff I got in here, that's great. But hey, if you want to use it to adopt a kid, it's your money anyway, man. Take it. It's yours anyway. Take it. What if God is calling us to do some really cool things and go on some really cool adventures, but we just got to let go and be set free of our own discontentment and find contentment in the only thing that brings true contentment, which is Jesus Christ. And that's kind of, that's pretty much exactly where Paul ends up with this challenge. In verse 14, he says, still you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this matter of giving, receiving, except you alone. So the Philippian church, even though they were a poor church and didn't have a lot of money, they were the only church that supported Paul financially on his missionary journeys. That's a, church that's saying, hey, we're going to be content. We're going to live open-handedly. We're going to trust God, right? It says, for even Thessalonica sent me, sent gifts for my needs several times. Um, For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I, check this out, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit, the profit, check this out, that is increasing to your account. He's talking about a profit for them, not for him. But I have received everything in full and have in abundance. I am fully supplied. I have received from Euphrates what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this church had been financially supporting him when no one else did. He commends them for it. And he's saying, I'm not here to seek more money. But I, he's challenging the Philippians to give even more financially and more generously, not necessarily to him, but so that they can be set even more free. <laughs> and relax, I'm not like passing the offering bucket around. If you want to be set free, put the money in the bucket. I'm not saying that. But Paul's saying, I want you to be set free to live open-handedly so that you can chase Jesus with your life and be set free of your circumstances so that you will profit. How, what, how like mind-blowing is that, is Paul saying, hey, I want you to quit controlling your circumstances and be set free of this so that you can be set free, which is a profit for you. It's kind of cool. There's, This is a life blessed by God. And then he calls what they had been doing, this this con, this content life, the way they had been living, check this out, he calls it a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's an Old Testament reference. He's throwing it back to the Old Testament. What, what used to happen back then was the, the Israelites would sacrifice the best of the best that they had. And so there was a time of year where they would come and they would make sacrifices to God. And so they would take their best uh, lamb or their best goat or whatever it might be, and they would go sacrifice it in the temple. And then they would burn it. That was part of the sacrifice ritual. And then there would be smoke that would rise up in the air. And they they call that uh, like an acceptable sacrifice to God. I said a good, like a fragrant sacrifice. Like he enjoys the smell of that, right? What Paul is saying to us, he's throwing it back to the Old Testament. What he's saying to us is if we can live a life of contentment founded in Jesus that sets us free to follow him in all areas of our life, that is a life that is a pleasing sacrifice to God, a fragrant offering to God. That's pretty cool, man. That's the life I want to live. I'm not saying I do it all the time, but that's the life I want to try to live. A life that God looks at and says, that is a life that's a sacrifice to me, and it is pleasing to my ears, to my sight. It says it's even a fragrant like smell. Like it smells good, man. That's pretty amazing, man. And and the thing about it is like. It's, it's hard sometimes, but in the end, it's like for our good. Like how powerful is that, that circumstances or finances or things don't dictate my happiness or my joy or my contentment, but only Jesus. That's nothing but freeing. Nothing but free. As I was kind of walking through that this week, I began to think about our church. And man, like my heart is so much that we could follow the example of the Philippian church, right? Like they were a church, they didn't have a lot, but they said what we do have, we're going to set it free because we want it to be used by God. We want God to save souls and change lives and shake us up a little bit, man. I want us as a church, and I want you individually, to live this vibrantly content life in Jesus, one that's free from envy and jealousy, but one that finds contentment in Christ, one that allows us to live open-handedly towards Jesus, one that allows us to chase him wherever he calls. Because, man, if you chase him wherever he calls, no matter how scary it is or no matter how dangerous it is, no matter like, like right, it's nothing but an incredible adventure. And it is the only life worth living. It's a beautiful gift. All of us as Christians are called to live life on mission, meaning for a purpose, like we like to say, on purpose, for a purpose. That means intentionally living for God with our lives. If our contentment is found in circumstances and things, you'll never be able to say yes to those things God calls you to. Only when our contentment is found in Jesus will we truly have the freedom to chase him. And so that's my prayer for our church today is that that we will be set free in that way. That we can find contentment in Christ in that way. Love it. And Paul finishes Finishes Philippians. Y'all didn't think it was gonna happen. In verse 21, he says, and greet every saint in Christ Jesus, those brothers who are with me. And greet you, all the saints greet you, but especially those from Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I like that. That's a great, very fitting way. The grace, that's the goodness, the kindness, all the things that he has done for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The deepest part of us is humans. I'm gonna pray and then let's just the the band's gonna come up in a minute and we're just gonna sing one last song. Let's worship our God and let's today, if today is the, the day that we need to Mark that beginning of the steps towards that contentment in Christ. Let's make it that way. And let's let's examine our own souls and spirits and say, am I finding contentment in Jesus or am I looking for it in some other place, right? So I'm going to pray. And, and as always, if there's anything that you'd like to pray with somebody about, we're going to have guys hanging out in the aisles um, with the little tags on it. If you need to talk to them about anything or pray with them about anything, they're here for you to do that. So let's, let's pray and let's, let's close out our service by worshiping our Savior. God, I love you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for um, this church family. God, you have been so good to us, Father. I just pray that we would find true contentment in you. True contentment is found in you alone, Jesus. And so I just pray that you would bring that to us, Lord. We worship you. We love you. We give you everything that we can, Father. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.